0: Uh, we're talking with Jeremy Dauber, a Columbia University professor whose book is American Comics, a history just out um, a fascinating book that uh, really covers the waterfront. Um, going back to was that your intention, Jeremy, to you, you cover everything? Because, you know, when you say comics to somebody, depending on their age and their sort of uh, experience, it means different things. It might be a strip comic to somebody. It might be Batman to somebody else. And still others, it's the new stuff, graphic novels and all of that. Um, but you meant to cover all of it, right?
1: Yeah, I, the, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think everybody has their way into this medium, you know, and and really it depends on different generations, just different experiences. But they're all part of one big story, as it turns out. And, and I really wanted to show everybody who has this love and connection to some aspect of this which is really almost everybody in one way or another how it was all part of that one big story so that was that you're absolutely right that was my intent
0: and i and i i like your your approach on this because it would be easy to take the oh my god the newspapers are folding and the world is coming to an end (laughs) and and not that that isn't a sentiment that i agree with sometimes but i i like the sense you have i think it's right at the end of your book uh, comics a medium That has waxed and waned in its centrality to American life and consumership, consumership uh, comic story is right in the middle of its run. So we're not done with comics. They're, they're, they're still rushing along. And uh, in fact, now they're on the big screen more than they're in the, in the paper version, I guess. But uh, you, you, you are optimistic, aren't you on on the matter of comics?
1: You know, I am. I mean, when I was growing up, you know um, if you had said to me, you know, as a kid who loves comics, um, you know, you're going to be able to go to your public library and you are going to see, you know, not just one little book, maybe that has some comic, book, but, you know, a whole sections uh, of, of of comic books, of graphic novels, of whatever you want to call them, you know, and they're in, on every single kind of topic under the sun um, and that, you know, my kids, you know, you know, are in school, they're going to be reading some, you know, a, I mean i wouldn't have believed you it would have been like a utopia so the idea that right the idea that this is here i think really is just a sign you know of uh you know a certain kind of growth and as you say you know um this sort of uh you know is on our multiplexes it's on our television screens um you know in in, in certain ways we really have a a, we're in a waxing rather than waning moment for comics i think
0: one of the questions i have and i've asked our local comic store operator here uh when i was on the newspaper it was kind of a recurring question as in recent years was how are digital comics faring versus the paper variety i don't know why we get hung up on that but what is your answer to that you have a better overall command of that um it's growing it's it's sort of stable or how do you how do you look at that digital versus paper conflict if it is a conflict
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're right that, you know, it's not necessarily uh, a conflict uh, or it's not necessarily a zero sum game. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Um, I certainly think that, you know, uh, certain kinds of comics uh, are really exploding uh, on digital platforms, you know, particularly the kinds of comics that used to be in newspapers, you know, strips. Mm sort of ongoing serial things, you know, that kind of stuff really, you know, lends itself very well uh, to digital stuff. And, and that allows for really, you know, the digital platforms allow for uh, just a wide range of creators and artists who might never have been able to get into a newspaper to kind of express, you know, to tell their stories. Um, so that part is really uh, wonderful. Uh, I think that there is still, uh, as the success of someone like Dav Pilkey or Raina Telgemeier, you know, can can attest to, there's still a real love for holding something in your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not that is going to really more and more take the form of, you know, Books, paperback or hardcover—you know, books that you can hold in your hand rather than sort of those pamphlets or floppies or single issues. Um, that's a, that I think is a more complicated question. But there's no question to me that there's still a real deep love for holding something non-digital, as well as sometimes going to your computer screen. I think they're both, you know, moving along.
0: We're talking with Jeremy Dauber, the author of American Comics: A History, and uh, runs across the. Just the you know you you can we can get into so many different subjects. Um, The business of how comics became uh, verboten in the early fifties, where the Congress was uh, you know focused on them for the violence and the all of that. Um, What's your take on that, Jeremy? I mean, obviously it's in the book, but um, did that help or hurt the the comic book industry?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I think that there's no question that in terms of the development of comics as a a medium that could tell all sorts of stories, it was not necessarily positive, right? I mean, you had, uh, you know, a lot of people who really wanted to, who were adults, who wanted to read comics sort of that that dealt with things in, a, in an adult manner, just, a, and I don't even mean in terms of, you know, very hot topics, right, but mm-hmm. even things like, um, you know, a nuanced portrait of authority. Right. Um, right. and the code that was in place after this moral panic kind of outlawed that, you know, all authority figures could only be a hundred percent good. So, you know, that it kind of kept a lot of the medium in a kind of ar- arrested juvenile state that said for the purposes that it, it you know, it, it was trying to to do, which was to stop kind of juvenile delinquency or anti-authoritarian ten- authoritarian tendencies, the people who had created uh you know some of these most infamous comics then went on and founded mad magazine um with and as a result probably you know did more to sort of uh uh you know put a finger in the face of authority uh than any comic ever did or ever would um so i'm not sure that the uh you know the forces of repression kind of uh, got what they aimed for there um that i think is one of the that's
0: a good point yeah Mm -hmm. and those of us that remember uh, I say, remember, Mad. It, it hasn't been gone that long, but yeah. I, I go back a long time. And I, I remember a friend introducing me to Mad Magazine it was on his, you know, table or something. And, oh, it's this. And then it just draws you in this whole idea of, uh, you know, making fun of TV shows, movies, all that, which really you didn't find everywhere, you know, not not in that. In the, you know, we're talking about the late 50s, early 60s. That, that's a different thing. That's okay. absolutely right.
1: And even though it was, you know, we, it's mad magazine. It was a magazine. It was a magazine full of comics. Right. So, you know, and, it's, uh, oh, great
0: artists. And you, you cite them oh, in your yeah. book. Uh, yeah. One of the stories and it's been done, I know a lot, but you can't help but get away from it. And, and you, you've got the, uh, the story in your book and that's the story of Siegel and Schuster yeah. uh, and Superman, which of course, I, I guess has to be the, the ultimate superhero i mean you know i guess people will say batman now he's eclipsed him in, in movies or something but superman has certainly got the uh, the resume if you will but, <laughs> but, but these guys you you say he got 17 rejection letters when they yeah. started i mean i think people forget that this was no overnight success this wasn't like oh what an idea let me run that no they had to kind of go around peddle it hard and and finally turn to comic books and things started happening um and then we we, you know the whole business about them losing the copyright and all that I think that's been done but uh tremendous story there um behind the scenes so to speak yeah I think that's what you know one of the
1: interesting things in writing kind of a cultural history like like the one I tried to write was is that you know you have to put yourself in the in, in the shoes of these individuals at the time you know when as you say when they are coming up and they're sort of thinking about what to do with this Superman figure that they made up, they don't know this is going to be a multi-billion dollar platform, you know, a character. This is going to be an iconic character for a century. You know, what they see is like you're saying, they see something that's been rejected from the very sort of lucrative and high status comic strip business over and over and over again. And really their only option is to kind of sell it to this at that stage second rate kind of schlocky business of comic books. Um, And so they're like, all right, well, you know, I guess we'll take what we can get, Um, which is not to necessarily excuse the kind of deals that were being made at the time, but to at least understand sort of some of the context behind why they took it. Um, And then, of course, you know, Superman, as you say, he really was the character that fundamentally transformed the comic book business and, of course, the superhero business um into you know into what we have today there's no question about that
0: i see parallels in in what you just explained with how congress kind of forced mad magazine on us if that's what we can say <laughs> with uh with uh, the idea of, of going to the comic book rather than the comic strip in superman because yeah as you said it, it suddenly became i mean i love all the names you come up with i mean some of us are familiar with these some of them not but the other, you know, it's there's nothing like comic books for jumping on, on the bandwagon. And, yes. you know, Crimson Avenger, Green Mask, uh, Red Bee. I, I don't remember the Red Bee. I, uh, that's a that's a new one on me. But Plastic Man, Wonder Man, Captain America. I mean, all these great characters that came flooding out uh, once the dam was, I guess, broken. And uh, you've you got it all in the book, um, the history of comics. Um, well, th- thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, go ahead, Jeremy.
1: No, I was just going to say you're a hundred percent right. You know, um, all of a sudden, you know, these these people realize there's this huge interest in this, this huge market for this, uh, and so they work really hard to kind of fill this massive sudden demand. And you know, some of the stuff, uh, Batman, you know, uh, Wonder Woman, you know, have remained iconic for a century, and some of them, like the Red Bee,
0: not so much. Right. Yeah. So you got to dig for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. One of the subjects I love. And this is, of course, the hindsight of, of the rearview mirror here. But uh, World War II, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think there have been books about how Hollywood was um, slow to, to recognize the, yeah. the Nazi threat um, because of, for various reasons. They, they wanted to release films in Europe or they were afraid of the German crackdown and also lobbying by uh, astute german operatives in this country uh, you know whatever that is that combination of things but have been criticized for not really coming out with a hard smashing uh you know sort of exposition whereas the comics were on board i mean you've got several examples uh before pearl harbor i mean yeah. where they 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 kind of sounded the i don't know if it sounded the alarm is the right word but but certainly pointed to hey this is not good and yeah. uh, I think that's that's to their credit
1: I, I think you're right about that I mean I think you know as you say you know sort of if we try and look at this with 1939 1940 eyes rather than sort of you know post December 7th 1941 eyes you know we sometimes f- forget how big an isolationist impulse really there was in the country um and you know there were a lot of people who said look this is Europe's war you know we really don't need to get involved with this um and the comics you know i think here in part because there were so many uh jews in the comic book business at the time mm-hmm. and they had you know relatives in europe they were sure. close relatives they you know they were saying no you know this is a a, a global menace and this has to be stopped uh, uh, nazism um and and so as you say they really, you know, Captain America comes on board, you know, uh, a year before Pearl Harbor, um, and the first cover of that issue is, you know, him socking Hitler on the uh, on the jaw, um, and you know that was a and and uh, the car- the creators, excuse me, uh, Simon and Kirby got threats from really? from the German American, right? They yeah. Mayor LaGuardia had to guard them. Oh my goodness!
0: Well, mm-hmm. and that's that's part of the. I think the brilliance of the of the written form or the, the, the comic form, because, you know, we can talk about newspapers and, you know, what what they've done for them. And you've got it in your book about the, the how the strips were huge. I mean, uh, Hearst and, and others that uh, yeah. just, you know, saw the benefit of what a comic could bring to a paper. Not not at the expense of stories or, or you know, yellow journalism or whatever was go- else was going on, but uh just the idea of uh, bringing art uh onto the printed page
1: I, I think that's absolutely right you know it starts out as a way of saying you know we have this really sort of a uh, huge number of new americans of immigrants who really maybe they don't know English that well. They really want something sort of visual that, you know, can make the product attractive. But it clearly very quickly goes beyond that to say everybody wants some visual pizzazz. Uh and everybody's interested in kind of a serial ongoing story. Uh, uh, and, and that really becomes part of the comic strip design. you know, you you love these characters, you love these adventures, you want to see what happens next to them every day. Uh, and so you're going to keep picking up the paper.
0: You can't help but think, and I promise not to dwell on the newspaper thing, but because there's so much else here in your book, and we're talking with Jeremy Dauber, of um, author of American Comics: A History, that the uh, the shrinkage that went on. Well, you you might, I think you document it from World War II on. Uh, following the war, there was paper shortages and restrictions, and some of that space didn't come back. I think you make that point in your book. Um, and then, of course, in recent years, last 20 or 30, um, we just saw these comics for old eyes that are used to print media. And, you know, that's who's really reading the newspaper. All of a sudden, your comics are now like a postage stamp. Yeah. And I just think, boy, if that isn't, um, you know, sort of sort of bringing about its own demise, uh, I don't know what else is. There's one example among many, I guess.
1: No, but you're, you're 100% right. And it is this, interest, you know, you have you've, you've told it exactly right, of how sometimes there are uh, phenomena that have all sorts of corollary and knock-on effect. You know, during World War II, a lot there was a paper shortage, as you said, and a lot of people said, you know, for patriotic reasons, everybody has to shrink uh, the strips. And everybody agreed. Everybody was totally behind that. But then they said, hey, you know what? Nobody seems to have complained too much about the strips. Um, we'll just fill that extra space with advertising and we can make more money. Um, and 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 that seemed like a good plan, but it, you know it really killed off a lot of sort of the beautiful art that we've just been talking about, you know, because you couldn't really see it in the same way at two thirds the, you know, at two thirds the size, and then getting smaller and smaller, and it really led to this kind of uh, disenchantment in part, I think, with some of these strips, um, and uh, you know that was part of the story of this decline, It was really cutting off a nose despite a face.
0: You're uh, we're talking with Jeremy Dauber about comics and his book American Comics, and you you uh, you carry us right. I don't want to get hung up just on on the distant past. I say hung up, but I think it's it's all fascinating. But you know, let's 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 rush right to the more recent era where the comics now are, and Marvel is certainly a perfect example of this. um, You know, now are are the the food for which Hollywood. uh, digests almost daily. I mean, I don't know where the the industry would be without comic book movies now. Uh,
1: I, I think I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, I I think one of the big sort of symbolic moments that happened the last number of years um, is that for uh, the the move of sort of Marvel and DC's kind of main offices, which had always been a New York centered uh, phenomenon, to Los Angeles. Uh, and really sort of, you know, being in certain ways subsumed under these larger sort of corporate entities, right? So that, you know, so much of the, of the, at least the corporate or mainstream comic book industry, um, you know, it, it serves as a kind of intellectual property. So sort of for these much larger, uh, budgetarily speaking, and even cultural speaking phenomena. So you really do get uh, a perspective where on the one hand, you have comics fans saying, boy, uh, all of the you know everyone in the country has an opinion about black panther who until a couple of years ago was uh, you know a comic book character that only you know a couple of people knew um, right and then on, on the other hand the vast vast majority of those people who watch black panther which i think is a great movie are not necessarily going to say okay now i'm going to go check out a comic book with black panther in it i just like the movie um and so you know increasingly the comics become kind of ancillary to that experience
0: I, I just thought while you were speaking, I just thought, and I'm sure this has been either tried or ignored because the many of the things that, that you know, brought up should be. But, you know, with, with each one of these successive blockbusters, Spider-Man Goes Home or whatever it is, yeah. um, you know, they might ought to consider, you know, the, the, uh, along with the price of a ticket, you get a comic book. and And I don't know if that would be in plastic you know as a collection item or you know because i can just see the theater festooned with with paper on the floor you know and all of a sudden (laughs) you know like well that didn't work but but you know just some idea to to bring it back um we're talking with jeremy dover about american comics and you know this is really um fascinating even stuff that you know uh from from history or you know light history not just necessarily comics you, you do have such a deft hand with it. I love the way you describe the TV show Adventures of Superman that played in the 50s. The thing with George Reeves <laughs> probably saved the character. But the medium's technical limits meant he had to face fairly limited and mundane opponents. What a wonderful way to put that, because those of us who are used to the comic book would watch that show. And, and obviously we would watch it because it was Superman. But it was like, what's he dealing with here? Some hood from from the you know from Cleveland or something. I mean, it was right. like, you know, where's the green goblin or or Mister Mizzleblicks or whatever it is? Uh, you know, none of that. It was never out of space. It was, but but that was because of TV's medium. And yet the show obviously was successful, and Kellogg's loved it, and we all watched it. But <laughs> uh, you know, I just think you you really uh, you really nailed it with that one.
1: Well, thank you i mean i think that's right you know one of the things also that is sort of i really do believe as you're saying led to this sort of dominance of superhero movies in the last 10 or 15 years is that the special effects really have finally caught up right, um, right. to the story you can really do anything now right and and that that i think reflects that kind of ambition whereas in the 60s and 70s like you are saying, if you love these kind of stories you really did have to go to the comic books because the the you know the movies the tv were so woefully insufficient um, this, this this isn't